I'm Alicia, and this is Dead On. Dead On is a true crime podcast. I discuss upsetting and sensitive topics, including violent crime, assault, rape, abuse, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, fam, we've got another missing person case to work on. It's all hands on deck. And if you're in Hill County, Texas, listen up. You'll be the boots on the ground in the area. Today, we're headed to Hillsboro, Texas. It's a small city with a land area of nearly 11 square miles or 28 square kilometers. As of the 2010 census, the population was only about 8,400 people, so I'm imagining it's got a bit of a small town vibe. Here's a bit of goss for you. Hillsboro got a run in one of the most infamous true crime stories of all time. When Bonnie and Clyde blew through the city, they held the Peterson family hostage at their own farm. Apparently, the lovelorn criminals held the Petersons at gunpoint until they agreed to let the couple hide out in their barn for a few nights. Hillsborough is also known for its picturesque, lovingly restored Victorian homes. You should see the Hill County Courthouse. It's a Victorian masterpiece. Honestly, I would move in. I'll drop a photo on the website and the socials so you can see for yourself. Hill County has another claim to fame. Willie Nelson, musician and jazz cabbage enthusiast, hails from that area. When the Hill County Courthouse was damaged by an electrical fire in 1993, Willie held two concerts that raised funds to restore the courthouse. What a legend. Okay, I think you've got a clear picture of where we're headed today. So let's dive into the case. Introducing John Christopher Terry. John was born on March 1st, 1984. In 2014, when this case takes place, John was 30 years old. John had two young sons with his ex-wife, Rachel. After the couple divorced, John was granted primary custody of the boys. A bit of an unusual move because, as we know, usually the mother is granted custody. But, while divorce and custody situations often turn ugly, that doesn't seem to be the case here. John and Rachel appeared to be managing their co-parenting rather effectively. Rachel was granted regular visitation with the children, and John worked with her to ensure that the boys got to spend lots of quality time with their mother. John was living northeast of Hillsborough in an area called Carl's Corner. His home was a cozy cabin on a remote property that was owned by his father. As I mentioned, John had primary custody of his sons, so they usually lived with him at that property. By all accounts, he was a loving, devoted father. And John was working very hard to provide a comfortable life for the boys. On December 17, 2013, John posted a photo of his sons on Facebook with the caption reading, quote, my two boys keep me rolling. 
end quote. It was clear he adored his children. There's no way he would have up and vanished on them, but vanish he did. Hide nor hair of John has been seen since October 17th, 2014. Let's go over a timeline of John's movements on the day of his disappearance. As most of us probably haven't been to Hill County, Texas, I created a Google map of notable locations so you can follow along. I'll add a link to the show notes and to the episode discovery file so you can easily find it. On Friday, October 17th, 2014, John Christopher Terry went to work as usual. At the time, he worked as a mechanic at Jean's Auto Service on Abbott Avenue. According to his boss, John was a dedicated employee who gave his work his all. While John was at work, Rachel picked up their sons from school. She and her partner had scheduled a visit with the boys that weekend. John brought their overnight bags to the shop so Rachel could pick them up. After all, that would be too much for the boys to drag around at school all day. After swinging by the school and picking up the boys, Rachel and her partner stopped by Jean's auto service. Rachel walked into the shop with the boys while her boyfriend stayed outside in the car. According to Rachel, John seemed totally normal that day. He gave the boys a hug and a kiss and told them he'd see them on Sunday. John seemed happy, relaxed, and totally himself. Then Rachel and the boys piled into the car and headed back to their place. Like I said, the co-parents were doing the damn thing to look after the boys, and seemed to be working cooperatively, at least when it came to their sons. After John left work, he stopped at the Walmart Supercenter on Coke Avenue. Surveillance footage captured John walking into the pet care section. John grabbed a bag of dog food and flung it over his shoulder. Then he grabbed a bag of cat food and headed over to check out. Once he'd completed the transaction, he headed out to his 2014 Jeep Compass, loaded the bags of pet food in the back seat, and left the parking lot at about 6.30 p.m. This is the last confirmed sighting of John. The next day, a road crew was working on County Road 2346 in Abbott, Texas. In an isolated area, down a dirt road, the crew discovered a brand new, silver, 2014 Jeep Compass. It appeared to have been abandoned, so they reported the find to police. Hill County Sheriff's Investigator April Stoll described the scene, saying, quote, I think it's significant that the keys were still in the ignition. The windows were rolled down. His cigarettes were in the front seat. The cell phone was in the back seat. The cat and dog food was in the back seat. End quote. Investigator Stoll believes the car was driven to the area and staged in a deliberate attempt to derail the police investigation. She elaborated, quote, There was loose paperwork in the cup holder area. Just the way it was positioned, it looked like it had been shuffled around almost intentionally. End quote. Despite the obvious misdirection, investigators glean two important theories from this scene. First, no blood or notable forensic evidence was found, leading investigators to believe John was not murdered in the car. Second, there's likely more than one person involved. After all, someone would have had to pick up the person who dumped the vehicle. Investigators headed out to Carl's Corner to search John's home. It was clear that John had made it home on October 17, 2014, but he didn't make it past his own front door. Describing the scene, investigator April Stoll said, quote, 
On the exterior of the door, they did locate some small areas of blood spatter, and those were collected. Other than that, there was nothing that appeared out of the ordinary. End quote. And when I say a small amount of spatter, I mean tiny. In order to test the blood, all of the spatter had to be collected, leaving nothing behind but the evidence markers. At this point, there was no doubt that John had fallen victim to foul play. According to Sheriff Rodney Watson, quote, he was murdered right there, outside his front door, end quote. So they started digging into John's background and discovered a potential lead almost immediately. The day before John disappeared, he posted the following to his Facebook page, quote, I'm getting my new bed tomorrow. I'm tired of sleeping on this cattle guard, end quote. While John didn't yet have a bed of his own, it was clear that was about to change. But where was he going to buy the bed? And from who? Investigator April Stoll explained the theory, saying, quote, What would cause someone to kill someone because they bought a bed? It's interesting that he made the Facebook post in the first place, and then there's no bed. It doesn't add up when you talk about motive. But if you had free reign and access, and your motive is robbery, and you're in a secluded area, why don't you take everything you can? End quote. As John seemed to have few, if any, enemies, robbery was starting to seem like a possible motive, especially considering John's wallet hasn't been recovered. But that wasn't the only theory circulating. An eagle-eyed armchair detective was perusing a missing person website when one particular photo caught her eye. In her opinion, the man in the photo was a dead ringer for John Terry. Admittedly, the man looked more sickly and emaciated than John, but enough time had elapsed that John's condition could have deteriorated. So how did John's dead ringer end up on a missing person website? Well, witnesses found the man sitting on a street in Tijuana, Mexico. He appeared extremely unwell and in a very bad way, so they tried to offer him some help. When they asked the man his name, he responded that it was John, and that he was a U.S. citizen. Not sure of what else to do, the witnesses added his photo and scant details to a missing person website, which is how that eagle-eyed armchair detective discovered the photo. This lead was investigated, and unfortunately the man was not John Terry. So who else might have motive to harm John? Naturally, investigators began digging into John's relationship with his ex-wife, Rachel. Since the divorce, John and Rachel hadn't spent a great deal of time communicating, just the bare essentials when it came to co-parenting the children. But in the weeks before John's disappearance, they began speaking more. When police checked their phone records, they discovered the calls were more frequent and lasted for much longer durations. When Crime Watch Daily spoke to Rachel to ask her about this, Rachel couldn't recall the exact nature of the calls, but believed that it was likely their children using their phones. When the boys were at either parent's place, they would ask to ring the other parent. Still, John was the primary caring parent. If we're doing due diligence here, we need to examine all leads and possibilities. What would Rachel have to gain from John's disappearance? Maybe Rachel was tired of sharing custody. Maybe she didn't want to pay child support. Maybe she didn't want to drive an hour and a half to pick up her own children. 
When Crime Watch Daily asked her if she had something to do with it, Rachel said, quote, That's a ridiculous theory. Who kills somebody over an hour and a half drive to pick up their kids from their dad who they love? And who kills somebody over $200 a month? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. End quote. This is just my opinion, not a fact. But it doesn't seem to me like Rachel had anything to do with it. Frankly, she seems upset that her sons are missing their father. I can't imagine being a mother and just wanting to take your son's pain away. But there's nothing you can do to fill the void left by their father. Rachel lamented, quote, I hate to think of anything he could have gone through. I hate thinking that we may never see him again. End quote. If you'd like to see the interview between Crime Watch Daily and Rachel, I made a YouTube playlist for this case and put it on my YouTube channel. I'll add a link to the show notes. I hope Rachel and the boys are getting lots of support from family and friends. I can't imagine being in their shoes and not knowing what happened to John. On January 17, 2017, the Hill County Sheriff's Department and the Texas Rangers formally requested the help of Texas EquiSearch. For those unfamiliar, EquiSearch is a mounted search and recovery team. The founding director, Tim Miller, dedicated EquiSearch to his daughter, Laura Miller, who was abducted and murdered in North Galveston County in 1984. EquiSearch offers search and recovery services across the United States and globally as well. The team is composed of over 1,000 volunteers, many being experienced horse owners. Most of the volunteers are trained in advanced rescue and life-saving skills as well. EquiSearch has been involved in over 1,800 searches for missing people and has recovered remains of more than 200 missing loved ones bringing much-needed closure to grieving families. As a nonprofit, EquiSearch is funded solely by donations. If you'd like to contribute to their important work, you can find a link to their website in the show notes. Every little bit helps. At 8 a.m. on January 21, 2017, Texas EquiSearch began the search for John Christopher Terry. Volunteers searched approximately 15 acres of land on foot and on ATVs. Drones were also used to analyze areas for different soil densities, and areas that seemed disturbed as if they were concealing a clandestine grave. The remote, rural area around John's home in Carl's Corner was thoroughly searched. As far as I know, nothing was discovered in this search. Or, if something was discovered... Police are holding the evidence close to the vest. At 8 a.m. on Saturday, February 25, 2017, Texas EquiSearch conducted a second search. The search staging area was the Gulf Gas Station on North Buchan Street. This time, EquiSearch combed the area where John's Jeep had been dumped. Unfortunately, from what I understand, this search also led nowhere. Hill County Sheriff's Investigator April Stoll and her boss, Sheriff Rodney Watson, believe that John was murdered. April Stoll concluded, quote, If you're going to hurt somebody, you have many areas out here where you could hide a body, and then take the vehicle and, as a diversion, take it somewhere else far away and make it look like he never made it home that night. End quote. Two major questions remain. For one, where is John's body? And for two, why did someone murder him? At this point, a clear motive has not been established. 
But when you plot out the notable locations of this case, one thing becomes very clear. A major highway runs straight through these locations. At one end, in Carl's Corner, is the property where John lived. Almost bang in the center is the Walmart, the location of John's last recorded sighting. At the other end, 25 miles away, is the site where John's Jeep was dumped. Considering the distance, it looks to me like the perpetrator, or perpetrators, killed John at his property. Then, the killer, or killers, disposed of his body. Then hopped on the 35, drove 25 miles in the opposite direction from John's house, and dumped the Jeep. As investigators said, likely as a ploy to throw off police from their trail. Did John arrange to meet someone at his property, possibly about the bed? Or did someone follow him home? Were they simply planning to rob him and it all went pear-shaped? Or did they have motive for murder? Unfortunately, this case seems to have more questions than answers. Let's talk about John Terry's appearance. At the time of his disappearance, John was 5'9", or 1.7 meters tall. He was 180 pounds, or 81 kilos. He's a white male, with brown hair and brown eyes. He wore his hair in a faux hawk style. He had a full beard at the time, also solid brown. Identifying features include a noticeable vertical scar that runs the length of his right ear. He also has a tribal dragon tattoo that runs from the back of his neck and down his left arm. 1984, the year of his birth, is tattooed across the top of his chest near his collarbone. There's a small gap between his two top front teeth. John is also known by the nickname Johan. On October 17, 2014, John was wearing a black t-shirt with jeans auto-surface printed on the front and back, blue jeans, and tan work boots. He was also wearing a navy blue Dallas Cowboys hat with D on the front and white embroidery. Sheriff Rodney Watson concluded, quote, We believe somebody out there knows something, and if we can just secure a little more evidence, we can close this case. End quote. John's family is bereft at his absence. His brother, Cody, said, quote, the family hasn't given up, and we all believe when the Lord is ready, he'll lift the darkness. He was just my go-to guy, and I haven't had that for five years now. It hurts that I can't just text or call him. End quote. I feel terrible that John's family would be missing their beloved son and brother. No one should ever have to bury a child, let alone not know what even happened to that child. That's exactly why we need to pitch in and help the Terry family find out what happened to John. Here's what we can do to help. Were you at the Walmart Supercenter in Hillsborough on October 17, 2014, between the hours of 6 and 6.45 p.m.? Did you see John Christopher Terry there? As I mentioned, he loaded two bags of pet food into his car that evening. He was driving a silver 2014 Jeep Compass, Texas license plate number DLL1752. Did you notice anyone following him from this location? Would you have any dash cam footage from this area around this time? The night John went missing, October 17, 2014, Abbott High School was having their homecoming. Did you attend homecoming that evening, or were you in that area? 
Abbott High School is two miles or 3.5 kilometers away from where John's Jeep was dumped on County Road 2346. John's Jeep had to have been dumped between the evening of October 17, 2014, and the early morning hours of October 18th. Did you see a silver 2014 Jeep Compass with Texas license plate number DLL1752? Did you see this car driving near County Road 2346? Were you filming the football game or any homecoming festivities? Did you have an operating dash cam that evening? Please watch this footage. Keep an eye out for John. For his 2014 Jeep Compass. And please turn over any footage you have to the Hill County Sheriff's Office. If you have seen John Christopher Terry, if you know of his current whereabouts, or if you have any information concerning his disappearance, please contact the Hill County Sheriff's Office at 1-254-582-5313. You can reach April Stoll, the lead investigator, at extension 226. I'll also consolidate all of this information, including the Google map that I made on the episode discovery file page. Remember, John Terry has two young boys who are missing their father terribly. Imagine having to grow up and wonder what happened to your dad. Imagine how painful not knowing would be. My heart aches thinking that John's sons have a hole in their hearts where their father should be. And if that's not enough incentive to share what you know, there's a $10,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest or conviction of the persons responsible for his homicide, or leads to the location of John Christopher Terry's remains. Unfortunately, there's not a tremendous amount of information available about John's case. But that doesn't mean there are no more leads. The Hill County Sheriff's Office has stated that they have evidence and information that they haven't released to the public. And it seems that Sheriff Rodney Watson is absolutely determined to solve this case. Get after it, Sheriff! We have faith in you! Before I go, I need to shout out an enormous thank you to the people who keep the lights on. The Patreon supporters! In the Dead Right tier, we have Justin Ware... Haley Hepburn, and Brandy Lewis. Thank you so much for supporting and believing in me. Okay, that's enough from me. Even if you're not a detective, you can roll up your sleeves and help solve cold cases. If you have information about John Christopher Terry's disappearance, contact the Hill County Sheriff's Office. And, for fuck's sakes, stop committing crimes! Okay, bye! If you love Dead On, and I hope you do, please consider supporting me on Patreon. With your help, I can continue to create this arduous but rewarding labor of love. Dead On, a true crime podcast, is a small, independent production. From research to audio to marketing, I do it all myself, in-house. With your support, the Dead On community will be able to improve, grow, and become a force to be reckoned with. Plus, you'll get access to bonus episodes, exclusive content, and monthly live streams where you can ask me anything you damn well please. Keen to get on board? Find a link to my Patreon in the show notes. That being said, look after yourself first. If you don't have the extra cash, there's other ways you can support the show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite streaming service. 
You can also spread the word on social media. Catch me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at deadonpodcast. Or search for Dead On, colon, a true crime podcast on YouTube. Special thanks to Fuzz Douglas, the talented musician who created the kick-ass theme music. You can find more of his tunes on SoundCloud. I'll drop a link in the show notes. I'm Alicia, and this is Dead On.